Welcome to Hope Sabbath School, an in-depth, interactive study of the Word of God. I'm glad you joined us today. We're starting a vitally important series. This is program two, Life, Death, Resurrection, and Eternal Life. You see, Derek, that could be the most important series because our eternal future depends upon it. So welcome to Hope Sabbath School. We're glad you're with us. And welcome to the team. And I'm excited about this series, and I'm excited today because Brittany's going to be teaching, or one of our team teachers, and I know you'll be blessed. By the way, we're challenging you. I'm excited to hear that people are translating the outline into Hindi, into Amharic. Wherever you are in the world, you can translate the single-page outline, and you can start an in-depth, interactive class where you are. So uh, join us in our study of the Word of God. We've got some remote team members joining us again today. Sabina joining us from uh, British Columbia. Sabina, always good to see you. Uh, Addison joining us from Texas. Addison, glad you're with us today. And also, Shana's joining us from Maine. Shana, always good to have you with us. And we're glad that you're with us, too, wherever you're joining us from uh, for part of this series. Here are just a few emails. By the way, did I forget to mention, free gift during this series, wonderful consent, concise book on the life of Jesus, which deals with his life, death, resurrection, and gift of eternal life. It's called The Story of Jesus. You can download it free. Just go to our website, hopetv.org slash hopess. Click on the free gift button in the middle of the screen. Share this resource with loved ones and friends because the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus was not just a revelation of God's love. It is the gift of eternal life to you when you trust in Jesus. We're always happy to hear from Hope Sabbath School members around the world. Here's a note from Mainza in Zambia. I asked Mainza, what does your name mean? She says, it means rainy season. <laughs> so she was born in the rainy season, and she said it could be given to a girl or to a boy just born on a rainy day. <laughs> Hello, brothers and sisters, she says. Hello. Got a wave there. My name is Mainza, which means rainy season in the Tonga language. I'm writing from Zambia. I love to watch Hope Sabbath School every week, and I must say, I'm blessed. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. This week's study was awesome, and I learned a lot from you. Hope Sabbath School has helped me to understand the Bible, and I like this, I encourage my friends to watch Hope Sabbath School too. Amen. I used to work on the Sabbath day. But I prayed to God to help me to find a job that would enable me to keep the Sabbath holy, and He did. Amen. What a testimony. Recently, Mainza writes, I actually started an interactive Bible study at my church. Amen. Now we're getting really excited, right? <laughs> we're just so thankful that you wrote to us, Mainza, and God bless you and all of our Hope Sabbath School members there in the beautiful country of Zambia. Here's a note from a donor in Georgia, and the donor writes and says, I'm 99 years old, and I've been watching Hope Sabbath School for about nine years. Each week, it brings such joy to my soul. And we say, Amen. Amen. Enclosed is a gift to help others receive this wonderful blessing. A happy viewer from Georgia, <laughs> and a gift of $1,000 to bless the ministry of Hope Sabbath School. We just want to say thank you, uh, donor 
happy donor <laughs> from Georgia. And to each one of you, this time of the year as we're thinking about our charitable giving, if you'd like to say, Derek, I want to be part of this impact movement where donors supported ministry, go to our website, hopetv.org. You can just go to slash donate or go to our website and there's a yellow button, donate. Become an impact partner with us and bless the lives of many. Thank you to each one of you for your support. Gideon writes to us from Nigeria, West Africa, and says, I'm blessed with my family to access Hope Sabbath School. We enjoy the interactive study, and it has sharpened our lives today to understand the Bible like never before. Thank you. God bless you in your work. That really brings joy to us, doesn't it? It's not just we like your program, but God's blessing through this program, the study of the Word of God. One last note from Virginia in Virginia. That doesn't happen very often. We could have Carolina from Carolina, I suppose. But Virginia writes from Virginia here in the United States, says, just to say thank you to all of you on the team. You're doing a great work bringing a message of hope and God's love to a world in need. I enjoy watching your interactive Bible study discussion every week. You make the word very practical, simple, and easy to understand. Sometimes people ask, why do you read these emails from around the world? Well, I'm encouraging our team and you, if you're teaching, to make it simple, clear, and easy to understand, right? That's what they're appreciating. Your interactive study has helped me to grow on my spiritual journey. May the Lord continue to bless this ministry so people will hear and make a decision for the Master. He's coming soon. Amen. Yes. Keep up the good work. God bless you. And uh, Virginia, thanks for writing to us all the way from Virginia in the United States. Right now, we'd like to have you help us with our theme song. If you haven't learned it yet, you can download it and the sheet music from our website. But it's a beautiful song taken directly from Revelation chapter 1, 17 and 18 and verse 8. I love the word of Jesus. He said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I'm he who lives and was dead. <laughs> Behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. That promise, life, perhaps the sleep of death, but resurrection and eternal life is for each one of us. Let's sing together. Not be afraid, I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And who is to come? I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Who is and who was and who is to come? The Almighty, the Almighty.
Looking forward to our study today, Brittany, on death in a sinful world. I guess we know that, but how did it happen and what's the good news? We'll look forward to the study. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you because while we do live in this sinful world and we do experience death and we lose those that we love, that you've given us hope through sending your son and thank you, Jesus, that you died so that we can have hope of everlasting life. But thank you, Lord, that you rose again. And that gives us encouragement and confidence that we also can experience that resurrection. And Lord, we just pray that as we study your word, your Holy Spirit would guide us, would guide our Amen. minds, would guide our words, and that we would bring glory and honor to your name. And that someone here today would choose to follow you, dear Jesus, through this study. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, I know a lot of us have been touched with death. It may be, you know, a loved one. It could be a grandparent. It could be a, a parent, maybe even a child. Um, we've all experienced it. And I was thinking as we were studying this lesson on death, what was the first time that it really impacted me? And I was about nine years old when my grandmother contracted cancer and she actually um, got weaker and weaker. And we went and spent time with her as she was on hospice care in her home. And then eventually she passed away. And that really impacted me because I had a close relationship with my grandmother. And I remember afterwards that I had some dreams about her that were disturbing after she had passed away. Um, and I had this desire to see her again, um, that she would be alive again. And I, I know, reading the scriptures and being taught at a young age, that that reason that we hate death, that we want our loved ones who passed away to live again, is because God has put eternity in our hearts. Mm. In Ecclesiastes 3, it talks about God put eternity in our hearts, and He never intended for any of us to experience death. And so as we study this lesson together today, let's recognize that this was never God's plan, mm. but that He does give us hope that this is not the end, Amen. that death is not an eternal separation. Amen. So let's study together. And at, in the beginning of our lesson today, we're looking at the warning that God gave because he did not want Adam and Eve to experience mm. death. 
right? Um, and so we're going to go to this divine warning that was disregarded. And we're going to start in Genesis chapter 2. And I'm going to ask Nisha to start us off in Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Thank you, Nisha. So what was God's warning? Anyone? Yes, John. Disobedience will bring death. So disobedience leads to death. And he did not want us to experience that, right? Um, That's why he gave this loving warning. Now, many ask, you know, when it's talking about this in the context, it's saying God told Adam this. Um, And then later on, we'll read that Eve is the one confronted with temptation. Um, And many people wonder, did Eve um, hear this from her husband or did God give her this warning as well? Um, What do you think, team? Did God give her um, a a warning directly from his own mouth or what did she hear about this from her husband? Yes, Harold. Well, we don't know exactly, but she does quote when she confronts the serpent, she Mm -hmm. does quote that God has said. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's possible that because we even don't know how much time transpired when God gave the command to Adam until the serpent tempted Eve. Mm-hmm. So, yes, God could have or Adam could have or both. Mm-hmm. Right. Thank you, Harold. Nisha, you wanted to add to that? I, you know, I, and I, I, I don't remember who said this. Perhaps it was someone here a long time ago. But in, uh, in Genesis, the same chapter in verse 22, there's a portion where it talks about God creating Eve. And then he says he brings her to Adam. Mm-hmm. And somewhere in there, I wonder whether the conversations involved a number of things that he wanted her to know, including this idea of what she should mm. or should not have done. Thank you, Nisha. Yes, Pastor. I Dan. appreciated Harold's comment mm. because Eve didn't say, well, Adam told me mm. that the Lord said. Right, right. And, and I think certainly we see this beautiful equality in the human family that actually male and female together are the image of God. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I would see just from that perspective that God would not withhold any good thing from Eve, mm-hmm. right. just as he would not from Adam. But, yeah. but I like your comment that she didn't say, well, my husband told me that right. the Lord said. Yeah. So God had made that clear. What I don't know, and I guess some things will have to wait, is how much else did he tell them yes. about the rebellion we studied in part one of this series mm-hmm. and saying, you know, the, the deceiver has access to this part of the garden, but I've limited his access. I don't know how much of that was told, yes. mm. but, um, but it was out of love he placed that restriction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What a loving warning he gave. Yeah. Now, as we continue reading the story in Genesis, we see this beautiful creation, this beautiful garden, this beautiful union between Adam and Eve. And not long after, we read about the temptation in the fall. Does anyone know how long it took from when they were created in this perfect paradise to when they were tempted and fell into sin? Does anyone have? Yes, um, Addison. Yeah, that's a really great question, Brittany. And, uh, you know, we're not we're not totally sure. Uh, It could have been a few months. I would say it's more likely that it was probably more than a few weeks, but it could have been months, uh, could have been several months, maybe even a full year. Uh, that that's what I'm thinking. Mm. Thank you for your comments, Addison. Yes, Jason. Yeah, we don't have exact time here, but we know um, it's from chapter two to chapter three. And if you're looking at the chapters in Genesis, uh, there are short time periods in there. Um, like the creation is largely there in chapter one and then chapter two. So we know it can't be too long of a time period because it's literally only just the next chapter. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And yes, Sabina. And I also would guess that Satan would not want to lose time in attempting to bring them down. So I don't think he was going to wait much longer. But that's, again, just my guess. Yeah. And we can just say, you know what? The Bible doesn't tell us. It <laughs> yeah. doesn't make it clear. So all of this is just kind of human speculation. Um, but we do know that a loving God gave them opportunity to experience the joy of life without temptation for a time and he gave them freedom to choose sure. and that then they they took and that temptation and they yeah. fell uh, pastor Derek, you know you when i was growing up Brittany, i thought it was like the next day <laughs> <laughs> but actually as i think about it um i think some time probably went by yeah. um and you know obviously there's there's no Cain and Abel yet mm -hmm. so you know it's probably not decades mm -hmm. right but you know, there was some time, and I, I think while Sabina said the enemy didn't waste time, I think he didn't rush either. Mm -hmm. I think the enemy's looking, mm -hmm. waiting for a strategic time. Mm -hmm. he's, a, he's a liar and a deceiver, mm -hmm. so um, some time perhaps may have gone by. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm sure during that time, our loving creator was trying to warn them about the dangers. He did not want sin and death to come into the world. That's right. That's definitely for right. sure. Mm -hmm. Now, the next part of our lesson looks at the strategies that Satan used to bring our first parents into making that decision to follow him instead of follow God. And the reason we're looking at this, it seems kind of depressing, but we want to see how can we avoid these strategies because he uses the same strategies today, right? right. So we want to know what did he do and how does that impact us today so that we can be protected? Right. Um, so let's continue reading. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 3 and we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. And I'm going to ask Shana to read that for us. Genesis chapter 3 verses 1 through 4. Sure. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. Thank you, Shana. So, team, what are some of the subtle strategies that Satan used to deceive? Yes, Nicole. So, as a therapist, we learned that in order to engage your, your patient or whoever, you ask a question. Mm -hmm. So, the first thing you did was ask her a question. That would engage her to respond. Mm -hmm. So, I think that's one subtle um, strategy he used to even begin to get her involved in a conversation with him. Definitely. So, asking questions. John. You know, uh, regarding asking questions, uh, he was asking question about the authority of God or about the word of God. He was placing doubt in her mind about the word of God. Yes, definitely doubt Addison. Well, this serpent uh, was very beautiful, very nice to look upon, uh, quite charming, and it definitely had a way with words. Uh, what would we call that today? Charisma. Mm -hmm. um, it's really these types of things that really um, can lure somebody in when they think, wow, this person must have it all together. They look good, uh, or in this case, the serpent looks good, and uh, they seem to, to know what they're talking about. 
Mm -hmm. Thank you, Addison. So Satan doesn't appear as something ugly and grotesque that we would say, oh, no, I'm not going to talk to him, right? He used something beautiful, something that would attract the mind to him. Yes, Jason, you wanted to add to that. Yes, another thing, in addition to asking a question, he also waits and lets Eve respond. So he allows there to be a conversation, which is mm. another subtle way of communication. Mm. He doesn't simply just ask her questions and bombard her. He lets her have an interaction back and forth. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that gives us a indication that whenever Satan is bringing a temptation, we shouldn't even dialogue with him, right? right. right. Um, we shouldn't even engage in a conversation with him. Pastor Derek, you wanted to add to that? So some people hearing this may not know the rest of the Bible, and they're like, talking snake, that's mm. really weird. <laughs> but but it isn't the serpent speaking. If you read in Revelation 12, uh, Satan is called that old serpent, Mm -hmm. the devil and Satan. So back to his strategy, he's he's not appearing as who he is. He's not like, I'm the rebellious angel Mm -hmm. that was cast out of heaven that's trying to turn people against God. Mm -hmm. Uh, He he does not tell the truth. Mm -hmm. Jesus calls him the father of lies. So I think that's the biggest thing is he, he doesn't tell the truth about who he is, Mm -hmm. and then he blatantly calls God a liar, but he doesn't say it in those Mm -hmm. words because Eve would go, Mm -hmm. how dare you call God a liar? But he basically says, what God told you isn't true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, casting doubt on God. Nicole, you wanted to- I was also gonna say though, I mean, even even the words he uses aren't God's words. He took some of God's words, but then he added the word not in there, and that's not what God said. So he mixes some truth with some some deceit. And so she, you know, if you're not on your P's and Q's, as we call it here, mm-hmm. you would tend to fall, fall into things that the devil would tell you because he doesn't, he's not truthful. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. Thank you all team. There's so many things that we can mm-hmm. see um, in how he tempted Eve. Now, what can we learn from this inspired account for our lives today? Because we know Satan comes to us We don't see a snake today, uh, maybe, but there's many other ways that he uses to attract our attention, to ask us questions, to get us engaged, um, and to get us to doubt God. Um, So what can we learn from this for our lives today, Sabina? I would say primarily that it's very important that we study the Word of God Mm. and test the experiences and the things that we hear and our own thoughts uh through the word of god because satan is going to be subtle he's going to first try to deceive us twisting the word of god and i think this is present not only here but in other passages of the bible and eventually he will throw this whole lie to us and if we know the word of god it will be much easier for we to discern Mm -hmm. thank you so much sabina so that's why it's so important for us to have these times of Bible study, right? And personal time with the Lord, because if we don't know the truth, then we'll believe anything that Satan can bring to us, right? So that is key to remember. Shana, would you like to add to that? Yes, and in addition to that, God is not a man that he would lie, which is what his word says, and his word will also not come back to him void. So the fact we have to learn, we have to prove God and whatever he says in his words and stand on that alone, you know, so that when the questions do come, we do have a firm foundation to say, no, my God said this and this is it. 
<laughs> That's right. Thank you, Shana. So we're standing on the promises of God. It's not that we just read the word, but we have it in our hearts. Amen. And and then when temptation comes, we can cling to that word through scripture songs, through God bringing that word back to us. The Bible says that's our sword, right, Amen. against the devil. So that is so important. Um, so Nisha, would you like to add to that as well? I think Satan, one of the things he does, he's, he promises something wonderful to Eve, that she will be like God. And oftentimes there are things in this world that um, look like great promises that are not what God promised us. Mm. And they look more appealing um, uh, than than something that God is doing in us that's going to take a little bit more time. And oh. so I think just recognizing which promises God is giving you versus which things are enticing you in the world and being able to discern between those is also important. Mm -hmm. That's right, mm. that's so important. It brings me back to a verse in 1 John that says the way that Satan tempts us is through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, right? We see all of that in the temptation of Eve and that's what he does in this world today is he finds things that will attract us away from Christ, away from his path that grab our attention and then um, over time we slowly start following those things instead of spending time with the Lord, spending time, you know, standing on his word. Um, and then when, when he comes with that big temptation, we don't have the strength to resist because we've been lured in like Eve, right? Uh -huh. Yes. Um, thank you all for sharing. We could spend a lot of time on this, but we want to continue on because we want to see um, Satan's biggest lie. Um, he said a lot of things when he was talking to Eve, um, but one of them is kind of standing out. It's prominent amongst all the others. And so we want to know um, what one of his lies was the most compelling. Yes, Jason. You shall not surely die. Mm, you shall not surely die. And why would that be? Uh, I don't know if, if that's the most compelling one. That is uh, one that they had never even experienced. They didn't know what death was, right? Um, they might have been like, hmm, that's an interesting concept. Um, but I think there's one that's even greater than that, um, that maybe they would want to aspire to. Um, Nicole, did you want to add to that? I would, I would, I would guess that it would be like God. Mm -hmm. He told them, you'll be like God if you, God knows you'll be like him if you eat from this tree. So I know, I don't know whether or not they, they were in awe of God. They knew who he was. They knew his, his, his love. So maybe they want to be more like him or they want to be like him in terms of the so lie. Being like God and combining with what Jason said, you will not die. Well, we know God is immortal, right? Yeah. Um, and so they're striving after this um, immortality. Yeah, that sounds yeah. good, right? Yeah. I don't want to die and I want to be like God. I want to have his capabilities and, and his powers and all of that. Yeah. Um, so this, this is one of the greatest deceptions that Satan um, brought to Eve and uh, we see it still rampant in our world today right mm -hmm. this this idea that um, we have immortality hmm. without God um, mm. that everyone has it right um, and so let's continue um, you know we look in a lot of the religions of the world today um, and we see this idea kind of woven in mm -hmm. um, I've met people from all over the world and each culture kind of has their own teaching on what happens when you die, but it all kind of links together with this idea that you will not surely die, you will actually be like God. Um, and can anyone think of maybe a religion that you're more familiar with or that you've heard of this teaching in, in different ways and taught in different ways that um, you don't actually die when you die? Yes, Nicole? It's not even religion. I mean, Christianity, some, some forms of Christianity believe that once you die, you go straight to heaven and then you're walking around heaven, you have a new body and it happens right now. So 
we don't have to look very far to see that that mentality of I'm going to live forever and even after I die from this earth, I'm going to go right to heaven with Jesus is something that we even promote here in America. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Christianity definitely has that interwoven um, into it. Um, Addison, would you like to share with us? Yes, so what came to mind was uh, a lot of Eastern religions uh, that have um, a, a strong uh, emphasis on this idea of achieving, uh, well, some, it could be achieving nirvana, which I believe is dealing with Buddhism or maybe Hinduism, uh, but just this idea of av actually having to work to do something in order to gain uh, this immortality, uh, which is uh, quite contrary to what the Bible tells us and what true Christianity is. Yes. Uh, so some religions have this kind of works. If you do enough things, then you'll achieve this godlike status um, in a way, like you were saying, Addison. Sabina, you wanted to add to that. Yeah, in Brazil, where I grew up, one of the branches of spiritualism, there is very uh, kind of much practice. It's called spiritism. And people believe that not only they can reincarnate, but they can actually communicate with people who are deceased. Mm -hmm. Yes, and that um, is prevalent in many cultures around the world. Uh, when I was in the Philippines for a time, I was up in the mountains in a remote village and, and they were um, sacrificing to the spirits to ward off evil. And, and they often thought of communicating with the evil spirits and with the dead, and there was a lot of different rituals and things tied to that. So um, that's something that we find in many cultures, which is Satan's lie being uh, pro kind of promoted and continuing to be multiplied. Um, and like um, Nicole said, it's come into Christianity as well. Um, and that's something that's kind of mainstream in Christianity today is, is this idea that you're really not mortal. You are immortal. Um, and that death is just a, a quick, you know, passing from this life to another uh, place. And, and that's something that we see today, Pastor Dan. And in another study, we'll talk about that even coming into the idea of an eternal hell, mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. that you're immortal even in the wrong place, mm -hmm. whereas the Bible teaches the wages of sin is death. Right. So this idea that somehow there's something that is immortal that exists outside of the body, uh, has affected many, many different religions, including Christianity. Yes. Thank you, Pastor Derek. We're going to look at some Bible verses because we want to know, um, okay, there's a lot of different religions teaching kind of similar things. Shouldn't that be true, right? If they're all saying the same thing. Um, but we want to know what does the Word of God say because we found that that's our only protection against Satan and his mm -hmm. lies, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're going to go to Psalm 115. And I'm going to ask Megan if you'd be willing to read Psalm 115 verse 17 for us to look at some of the clear scriptures that help us understand the truth. Absolutely. I am going to be reading from the New International Version, um, Psalm 115, verse 17. It says, It is not the dead who praise the Lord, those who go down to the place of silence. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Megan. So here is a verse that tells us 
um, when you die, you go into a place of silence, right? You don't continue praising God. Well, if the idea that you die and you go straight to heaven, of course you'd be praising God, right? You're in His presence. So this um, verse kind of shows us, no, when you die, you, you're silent, right? Um, that's one verse that helps us understand, but there's many others. We're going to go next to Psalm 146 and verse 4, and I'm going to ask Jackson if you'd be willing to read that for us. Psalm 146, verse 4. Sure. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. When they breathe their last, they return to the earth, and all their plants die with them. Hmm. That one's very clear. Um, we don't have any more plans, right, um, after we breathe our last. Um, that, thank you for reading that for us, Jackson. And we're also going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 5, and I'm going to ask Addison if you'd be willing to read that for us. Absolutely. And I'm reading Ecclesiastes 9, verse 5 from the New King James Version. The Bible says, For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Mm. Wow. Um, that's another clear verse. The dead know nothing after death, right? If they went to hell, they would know they were in pain. If they went to heaven, they would know they were enjoying love and peace and all of these things, right? But they don't know anything any longer. Pastor Derek, you want to... So that could be very depressing from some, for some people. And I even heard some interpreters say, well, you know, Solomon was depressed when he wrote that. But the Bible also does talk about a resurrection. And, and that's the key, isn't that's it? Right, that's There's right. no awareness in death. In fact, Jesus calls it a sleep. But a resurrection comes. Now, we're going to study. There's two resurrections, but we want to be in the resurrection of the redeemed. Amen. But uh, death is not the end, but neither is it uh, the beginning of some disembodied experience. That's right. So we are going to look at a couple of verses now about um, this resurrection because Jesus taught about it and he even showed us in the story of Lazarus. You remember that story of his close friend who died and he resurrected him and he showed us this is what happens, right? Um, he's just sleeping and now I'm going to go wake him up. That's what he told his disciples. But we're going to look at a couple verses that talk about the resurrection and we're going to go to John chapter 5 verses 28 and 29. I'm going to ask Harold to read that for us. All right, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And it says, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear His voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Mm. So everyone will hear God's voice, right? We'll all hear Jesus' voice, and He's the one who will resurrect us. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a beautiful promise. And then Jesus Himself, uh, before He left this earth, He gave a promise that He's going somewhere, right? Um, and let's go to that verse in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. And I'm going to ask Sabina to read that for us. John 14, 1 through 3. Okay, so John 14, 1 to 3, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version, and it says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, 
I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. What a beautiful um, picture of God's love for us, right? Not only did he die for us and resurrect, but he said before he left, don't worry, I'm preparing a place for you and I want you to come and live with me. Um, and so he is going to resurrect us, right? Um, he is going to give us eternal life if we accept him. Um, and that's the promise that we have as, as believers in him. Now, this idea of immortality, um, it's interesting because when we scan the whole Bible, if we were to, you know, use a machine and look at every verse in the whole Bible, um, are there any verses that say that people, that men and women, boys and girls, have immortality innately? Innate, no. Mm. No. There's no verse that says that. Um, but there is one being that does. And so let's look at what the Bible says. Who has this innate immortality? Um, and, and let's see if, if that's something that, that humans have naturally or not. Uh, we're going to go to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17. And I'm going to ask Jason to read that for us in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17. The New King James Version says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17, Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So here we find that our God, right, is immortal. Um, he's the only one who is wise. And then there's another verse in the same book um, that is even more clear, I believe. And we're going to look at chapter 6, verses 13 through 16. And I'm going to ask Nicole to read that for us. So 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 13 through 16. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 13 through 16 in the New International Version says, In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession I charge you, to keep this command without spot or blame, unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time, God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Amen. So this verse, Timothy, or Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, God alone has immortality, right? He makes it very clear. Um, and even looking back at the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Adam and Eve, they, in their perfection, didn't even have immortality. They needed to eat from the tree of life, right? right? Yeah. Um, they needed to trust in, in their, their heavenly father. And um, so the same thing, and, and when we read Revelation, we read the tree of life is going to be given to us again in, in heaven, right? Um, so there's this idea that humans were not created with immortality. Right. It's a gift that is given as we stay in this trusting relationship with the Lord. Um, and he's the one who has immortality and can give it to us. Um, and that's beautiful to see. Um, and, and it also kind of protects because um, he could see that sin was going to happen, right? He sees mm. the end from the beginning yeah. and he did not want sin to be immortal, right? right. To, <laughs> for sin to have, to continue for all eternity. Um, and so he kind of built that in. Harold, did you have a comment you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I also wanted to add, um, because even Paul and, and, well, Luke actually in the book of Acts, um, he's quoting Peter 
I'll just summarize this verses 29 through 34, where he's actually talking to the people saying, hey, David is not in heaven. His, he, he is with us. I mean, he's dead. He's buried. And even in verse 34, um, Peter says that he has not, David has not even ascended to the heavens. But he quotes, like, David inspired by the Holy Spirit that Jesus, like, it was a verse pertaining to Jesus. So here, even the understanding about immortality was understood that no human has immortality. Mm -hmm. right. And um, that they were just waiting for that special day of resurrection mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yes, so. and there's many other verses we could look to, but we want to um, give everyone hope. There is a day when we will receive immortality, mm -hmm. right? Amen. And when is that? Is it as soon as I die? No. Um, or is it at another time? And so let's go to a promise of God, one of my favorites in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to be reading verses 51 through 54, and I'm going to ask Shana to read for us. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 through 54. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of the eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Amen. Hallelujah. Right. Um, that's a day I think each one of us are looking forward to because all of us have lost someone that we love. And if that person believed in Jesus, we have hope of seeing them again. Right. Um, not only for them, but also for us. Right. We won't have to be continuing in this world of pain and suffering and death. We will be receiving this immortal life with the Lord. And what a beautiful promise we have to look forward to. Pastor Derek. You know, Shana read something there in verse 51 that, that we could pass over very kind of quickly. But listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. Mm -hmm. uh, that is the word that Paul consistently uses mm -hmm. to describe death. Mm -hmm. yes. mm -hmm. um, we don't praise God. Our plans perish. It's, it's like a sleep. Mm -hmm. Jesus spoke about it when he talked about raising Lazarus. He said he's sleeping. And they, they laughed at him. Mm -hmm. uh, he said the little girl, Jairus' daughter, was sleeping. They mocked him. But he used that word to describe this unconscious state mm -hmm. of death. Mm -hmm. And that's why the resurrection is so important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's right. Thank you, Pastor Derek. Mm -hmm. Now, the next part of our study, we're going to look at the consequences of sin in the garden because Adam and Eve did fall for the temptations of Satan, and then God came looking for them. And we've studied about this when we studied our whole series on Genesis, how even when we fail, when we make mistakes, we fall into temptation, we sin, God doesn't leave us there without any hope. He doesn't say, well, you chose Satan, that's your new God, uh, you know, you're, I can't do anything to help you. No, he comes after us, right? He comes seeking after us and he gives us hope. Um, but first he tells them there is a consequence because he gave them a very strong warning, right? Um, eat from all these trees, but don't eat from this one because if you do, you will die, right? So let's go and look. What were the consequences uh, of sin in the garden? We're going to go back to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7, and I'm going to ask Jackson to read that for us in Genesis 3 verse 7. Genesis 3, 7 from the New Living Translation. At that moment, their eyes were opened 
and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Hmm. And then we're going to continue on in verses 9 through 19. And I'm going to ask Megan to read that for us. Genesis chapter 9, I mean, chapter 3, verses 9 through 19, please. Okay, again, I'll be reading in the New International Version. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. But the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate it. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and you will strike his head, his heel. To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree, about which I commanded you, you must not eat from. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it, all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food, until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return." Hmm. Thank you, yeah. Megan and Jackson, for reading for us. So what were some of the immediate consequences to their willful act of disobedience? Yes, Jason? Their eyes were open. Mm -hmm. Their eyes were open. Jackson? They became naked. Okay, they were naked. Nicole? I would say there are two things. The, the, the development of fear yes. was one thing that was huge. And also the development of blaming. Blaming someone else and not taking responsibility for what we've done. And I think we do that today. We blame everyone else for what we've done rather than take it upon ourselves and say, I did it, Lord, help me with what I've done. Mm -hmm, definitely. We see that. Megan? Uh, so following along with that, um, the first sin was the taking of the apple, but immediately after that was sin after sin of mm -hmm. blaming and hiding. And mm -hmm. um, it just reminds me that sin traps us and we become slaves of sin and it happens so instantly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we see this breakdown of a relationship, right? Yes. First they had this close relationship with God and with one another and we see right away they're running from God, they're hiding from mm -hmm. Him, um, they they are afraid of Him. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then we see they start blaming each other and saying, you know, God, you're the one to blame because you gave me this wife and she did this, right? Mm -hmm. And so we see this breakdown of relationship. Terrible. And we see that in our lives today, right? Sin definitely causes breakdown in our, our everyday relationships and, and most importantly in our relationship with God. Mm -hmm. um, and we see that right away. And then there's pain involved. And then it, it, he also says death, right? Um, that that's something that they would experience. Um, now we want to go on to the New Testament. We want to see how does what Adam and Eve chose to do um, back in the garden impact us today. And Paul writes about this extensively. And we're going to go to Romans in chapter 5 of Romans in verse 12. And I'm going to ask Jason to read that for us. Romans 5 and verse 12. 
The New King James Version says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. Mm. So we see sin talked about almost like a disease, right? Mm. Um, one person caught the disease of sin um, and it spread to everyone else, right? We see yeah. it kind of talked about in that language. Um, and then Paul goes on to say that, um, that each one of us has done this, not just Adam, right? And so let's go to Romans chapter 3, verse 23. And I'm going to ask Addison to read that for us. Romans 3, 23. Romans 3.23, and I am reading from the New King James Version. The Bible says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Mm -hmm. So we see not one of us is exempt, right? Um, all of us have thought and done and said things that were sinful, right? Um, and that the next verse in chapter 6 tells us what the consequence for that is. And we're going to go to Romans chapter 6, verse 23. I'm going to ask Nisha to read that for us. And I'm reading from the New King James Version, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm I so like the thankful. second half. I'm <laughs> so thankful that the second half is there because what we're reading over and over again, what, what Adam chose to do spread to all of us. We all have this disease, right, of sin. And, and not one of us is exempt. And what do we deserve? Death. Yeah, but yeah. the good news is that Jesus gave us a gift, right? Yeah. Um, that he sacrificed himself. Yes. And he gave us the remedy to this yes. sickness, right, of sin. Um, and, and he redeems us. And he yeah. gives us eternal life, mm -hmm. um, which is a big gift that we could never say thank you enough for, right? <laughs> Nicole, did you want to add to that? Well, just you, you mentioned that you thought of, when you think of sin, you think of a disease. I think of it when, as a weed. I'm a guy, I'd like to garden in my garden and I notice that the weeds come up and they're stronger sometimes than the plants that I plant. Mm -hmm. And if you don't take care of the weeds, they end up taking over your entire garden. And so I think of that with sin. If we don't kind of put sin in its right place and really ask for the help we need and have God really destroy it in our lives, it will take over our entire life and make us make decisions that we really would not normally do in our right minds. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. right, Nicole. What a great reminder for us. Mm -hmm. So uh, when we're first being tempted, that's the time to call out to Jesus, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. right. Um, don't wait for that um, temptation to grow and that sin to grow in your life and then it makes it more difficult to remove, right? Call out to Jesus mm -hmm. in the moment of temptation. Um, if Eve had done that, what what a, a different story our world might have been, right? Um, I'm sure that the angels were just waiting to come to her aid, right? And, and give her help um, during that time. Now, we see that sin has spread to all of us. There is hope, there is eternal life. And when we go back to Genesis, we see that God gave hope to our first parents mm. too, um, that they weren't just left with these curses. This is going to happen because you did not follow my direction because you disobeyed me. You listened to the serpent. Now you have all of these curses and too bad. That's what you get, right? <laughs> That's not God's attitude at all. Um, and he actually gives them hope and us hope too. And so let's go back to Genesis chapter three. And we're going to look at verse 15. There's a very interesting verse there that is a prophecy um, in Genesis three fifteen. And I'm going to ask John to read that for us. Mm -hmm. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 from the English Standard Version says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, 
and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, can anyone unpack this verse for us? Because it sounds kind of cryptic. Um, lots of symbols being used. Um, what is this seed and this heel and, and all of these things? What does this mean when God is speaking this to Adam and Eve and, and even Satan? Yes, Sabina. What we see here is the first gospel promise. You know, it's God already promising that through Eve, he was going to bring forth Jesus to be our Savior. That's what is encrypted there. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Sabina. So just to put it simply, uh, the seed that's going to come from the woman is Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Our Savior. Mm-hmm. And that in the um, way that he's saving us, he is going to be wounded himself, right? Um, his heel will be bruised mm-hmm. by the serpent. But through that bruising, he's bringing life to all of us. Mm-hmm. And what a wonderful promise to us. Megan, you wanted to add to that. I, I love that in there, it's saying that Jesus will be struck by the serpent, but not killed. Mm-hmm. Jesus died on the cross, but he was risen again. He doesn't die. He goes to sleep for a little while, and then three days he was raised again. Mm-hmm. Amen. I think that's Praise such a beautiful God. promise. That's wonderful. Beautiful promise. And Pastor Derek, do you want to... You know, Brittany, isn't it interesting? You can read scriptures many times, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes you see mm-hmm. a new thing. The Holy mm-hmm. Spirit, Jesus said, will guide us into all truth. Mm-hmm. I probably have seen this before, but it just impressed me again uh, in Genesis 3 that the Lord Creator God does not curse the woman and the man. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. He curses the serpent, that is mm-hmm. Satan, who's mm-hmm. using deception, and he curses the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is a consequence to planet Earth, mm-hmm. but he doesn't curse his children. Mm-hmm. I thought, mm-hmm. hallelujah. That's my favorite Hebrew word. Yeah. You know, God is not out trying to hurt us. Mm-hmm. He loves us. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he's not cursing us. Um, and, and we're going to find out he's got a plan of salvation right there in, in, right. in the text. So yeah. I just want to thank God for his grace mm-hmm. and his unfailing mm-hmm. love. Mm-hmm. Thank you for pointing that out, Pastor Derek. What a beautiful revelation of his love. Now, if we continue in the same passage, we're going to look at Genesis chapter Two and uh, sorry, chapter three, um, in verse twenty-one, we see that God gives them a example of what He's going to do because they're living thousands of years before Jesus was to come, right? Um, and so He gives them an idea of what this sacrifice means. And so let's look at chapter three and verse twenty-one, and I'm going to ask Shana to read that for us. Genesis three twenty-one. And I will be reading from the New King James Version. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Mm-hmm. So this making of tunics of skin and clothing them shows us there had to be an animal sacrifice, right? Um, for them to have clothing out of skin, something had to die. And so God is taking his very own creation, right? Um, We don't know if it was a lamb. It it could have been, right? Many times in the Bible later, they used lambs as sacrifices. Um, But he brought them to show them, look, this is what your sin is going to cost. Not just the death of an animal, the death of my own son. Mm -hmm. Um, And he shows them, and I'm sure that they were heartbroken, Mm. um, and that it started to give them a little glimpse of what sin costs, what the consequence is, but also gave them hope that we're not left with the consequence of eternal separation from our Father. 
but we actually have hope of being reunited with him. Amen. And what a beautiful promise that they had. And even as we continue in Genesis, we read right away that they thought their first son was the Messiah, right? <laughs> um, when when uh, uh, Cain was born, they thought, this is the one. God, God has sent him. Um, but they were putting their hope and trust in, in Jesus, right? Putting their hope and trust in God. Um, and I just want to know, does anyone here have a short testimony of when you first put your trust in Jesus? When you first um, accepted him as your savior, saw him as your sacrifice for you? Um, we only have time for one to share, but if one of you would like to share, please do. Yes, Harold. Well, I can share. Um, actually, I got baptized twice uh, because the first time I was 12 years old, I did not understand. I just did it because my mom did it. But the second time, once I understood like the relationship that God wants to have with me, it was very powerful. It touched me. It's like, wow, I, I know so little about God's love mm -hmm. and what, I, what it means to be a Christian. And at that point in time, Christianity had a big way, like meaning. It's like, wow. And I, want, I wanted to give my life again to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I was like about 20 years old. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because I understood finally what is love at that time and what is mm -hmm. forgiveness mm -hmm. in its full extent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing, yeah. Harold. And I'm sure each one of us has a story of when we realized God's love for us and what he did for us. And I would love to hear all of your stories. Please write to us of when you first accepted Jesus. If you've made that important decision, we'd love to hear your story. And may each one of us make that choice because we are promised eternal life. Um, we are promised immortality um, when Jesus comes again. So may we cling to that hope. Um, and would you pray for us, Pastor Derek, that um, we would each make that decision, that super important, um, life-changing decision today. Amen. Thank you so much, Brittany. Amen. What, a, what a great study. <laughs> you know, I just want to remind you again today that, that God is not out to hurt you, Amen. that God loves you and he wants to save you. Um, accept that love and just cry out to him, say, Lord, save me. You've got a perfect plan from the foundation of the world. Save me. And uh, he will. And he'll work in you and through you in miraculous ways. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, it's so clear the devil's lies. He said, you, you're not going to die, but, but death came. You're going to be like God, but but we felt ashamed and naked because we had disobeyed our creator. But I thank you, God, that you didn't curse us, that you love us with an immeasurable and unfailing love, and you set a plan of salvation, the gift of, even if there's death, of resurrection and eternal life through faith in your Son. And I pray for each one that we would even today say yes to the Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, thanks for joining us on Hope Sabbath School. What a great journey. We've got a blessed hope to look forward to through faith in God. Go out and share that good news with those around you.